Hey, Doug. Hey, Karen. I feel it's like opposite day. It is, we have turned things upside down, guys and girls. Um, so we are actually recording this, our Back on the Block podcast, um, second after Hollywood Boulevard. Not for any good reason other than we just started going on and on about modern things and said, let's keep going. Um, so here we are, for real this time, committed to talking about episode season five, episode 25, from here to maternity. Um, and and I think the only things I want to make sure we repeat are that, to my surprise, Karen said she loved this episode, and we are especially loving what both Amanda and her portrayer, Heather Locklear, are doing uh, in, in these latest episodes. And we also want to say, because we know some of you don't listen to both podcasts, um, we are aware that we are in the middle of a coup. Yes. If you were listening to either of these podcasts late last week and thought, well, they're not really reading the room, it's because there wasn't a room to be read yet. <laughs> when we 24 record. hours later, things had changed. Yeah. Um, so, but we are here to be your escape. Yes. Yes. So we're just going to dive in. Where do you want to begin with this one? Um, should we just do just, Sid in the Lawsuit? Because that was kind of a quickie. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm kind of curious where the storyline is going, only because okay, I can I tell you, no. I can tell you, it. I think it's a smart story that opens up something that I that I like and I didn't see coming. Oh well, that's really good to know because right now, as it stands, where we are in this episode. Um, or where where they left it in this episode? I'm like, why the hell are we doing this? So, last um, last episode, Sid put up this crazy display um, in the in the boutique. She Sam warned her that she needed to kind of cordon it off, that it was dangerous, that it was unstable, and in walks a patron who trips, falls, and ends up in the hospital. She's probably milking it you know um but now Sid's got a lawsuit on her hands um and she didn't keep up with the insurance payments so she is on the hook for this lawsuit yeah there's actually a funny sequence where where Sid where Sam is watching Sid go through all of the bills and she's like I know Jane had an insurance policy but she probably let it lapse and then she Sam is like chiding her and Sid's like ha look here it is here's a bill and she goes no, this is a statement that they're closing the account because it hasn't been paid. And she's like, oh, well, surely I can talk them out of that, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you can't, Sub. You no, can't. you had your chance and you lost it. So, you know, so Sam tells her to get a lawyer. Um, so the next time we see Sid, she's marching into a lawyer's office. But it's not her but lawyer. it's not hers. <laughs> <laughs> it's not her lawyer. It's the, uh, it's the other woman. That, I don't even know the woman's name. Hilda. I kept Hilda or something. Yeah. It, it's her lawyer. And Sid is representing herself. She whips out her checkbook and she says, Let's just settle this right now. A couple hundred bucks, right? And yeah. then in rolls poor Hilda in a wheelchair, all bandaged up, 24-hour nurse, and, um, and, and basically said screwed. Yeah, this is way bigger and better than Sid has let herself imagine. Yeah. Um, 
I also want to say the actor playing the lawyer uh, is a guy who was on the show Nurses as a male nurse on um, NBC in the early 90s that Lonnie Anderson was on. So there's a Melrose connection right there. He looked familiar, I thought. Um, I've always been a fan of his. I think he's good. So yeah, so like I said, I'm I'm glad I'm you're giving me hope because right now I'm just kind of like oh, where's where could this possibly go? Yeah, all I'll say is I and I don't think you could predict it either. Um, I'm very happy with the direction this takes. Okay, good because right now I need more. Yeah, well, I, need I, more than like, I think you're gonna get more starting next week. Okay, great. Because like I said, she was a delight. Laura Layton was a delight to watch, but I kind of was like, where is this going? Yeah. And it's not really new ground for Sid, per se. Right, right. Of course she's in trouble. Okay, moving on. Who's next? Um, actually, I know it's crazy, but I feel like we could do Taylor and Peter and Kyle and like save some of the Amanda stuff. So the episode starts at Peter's, where Taylor has essentially moved in, um, and she joins Peter in the shower. Um, He's and, not very happy about that. No, he's sulky. Oh, and I did say this on the other non-block podcast, which is they're exploring more of a dark side to Peter, and we keep getting a taste of that. There will be more of that, but we, we start seeing more of that right here in the scene. Um. Yeah, and I don't know that Jack Wagner does that particularly well. I I do know that he does not. So there's that. Okay. <laughs> like, right. He's he's always better when he's kind of being the hero, and uh, when he's being the hero and kind of playing things light. Yeah, yeah, and so to make him this sort of dark, moody um, character is just not. I don't think it's within his milieu. I agree. But, you know, what I what I sort of find funny about this is that like it's almost it's almost like Taylor is like trapped in this bad marriage with Taylor that he can't get out of, right? But he can. Like he can kick her to the curb. Like they're not married. They have not why well, does he that's the thing. Her? He says something like she joins him in the shower and he's not being responsive to her and he says something like i'm just not sure what we are to each other and i'm like well you know you can clarify it like there are no shackles on you you've just found out that she set you up that she stalked you cross country to have this affair that she's your dead wife's sister grown up like you can speak up you can say you're unhappy you can say this no longer feels okay you can do any or all of those things yeah, and he just and he just doesn't do it, and so and he kind of is sort of victimizing himself, but not really. I, the whole thing is just kind of absurd, and you know, and and like even more absurd is like Taylor sort of sitting there going, "Well, I did all of this for you, baby," and it's like, "What? No, you did yeah, all this like, for no, you." Yeah, no, you realized uh, in odd and sick childhood dream and and it might be turning into a nightmare and that's on you but you yeah. did it for you <laughs> so yeah so i mean this is just kind of bonkers but anyway moving on 
Um, so yeah, so Kyle comes to Amanda's about uh, changing the locks now that Taylor's moved out. I don't blame him for wanting to do that. Um, and that's when Amanda kind of does more arithmetic for Kyle. He didn't put it together that how deliberate the whole move was. Right. Like he did finally find out about Taylor being Peter's old sister-in-law, but didn't realize that like when she said, hey, I'm flying to California. Hey, we're moving to California. Hey, Peter is living at the same place where we've been living. He didn't realize that that was all premeditated. Right. Which, I mean, he's kind of thick, so. Yeah, he, he, he there is that, like, Cro-Magnon side to him. Yeah. Um, and he's then, on the eyes, but boy, is he thick. Yeah, he's not the only one, but sure is true. Um, he does confront Taylor on her way back to Peter's from doing some grocery shopping, um, and and she admits it. Yeah. You know, she, she's like, yes. Um, and then Peter comes out and says, hey, leave her alone. And, you know, it's when Kyle says, yeah, I got the truth straight from the horse's mouth. Or is it the whore's mouth? <sighs> Which is kind of a great line and also kind of a really cheap shot. Yeah, very cheap shot. But whatever. And again, though, this was the whole thing of this sort of push and pull that's going on with Peter and Taylor that I don't quite understand. Like, in the shower with her, he was very much like, ew. Um, yeah. I'm not interested in you. Get out of my shower. Um, but then when Kyle is confronting Taylor and he's being a little handsy, you know, Peter comes rushing out to save the day. Um, right. you know, and, and it becomes very protective of Taylor and it just doesn't make sense with the hot and cold. It doesn't. I mean, I think even if you're having problems with your partner, you'd still come out and protect them if you saw their ex going after them. And also Peter really does hate Kyle right now. So yeah, I guess there's a reason to go after Kyle, yeah, yeah, but, but no, there are, you're, you're dead on about the mixed signals still. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's one thing to go out there and be protective. It's another thing to, I don't know. It was a little bit less of you shouldn't do that to anybody. You know, it was more, I, it was more of I'm rescuing you because I don't know. It was a, it was a weird, it was a vibe that didn't match the vibe that he was giving. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And also, if this was dark, Peter, you know, just let Kyle do what he wants. Yeah, dark Peter, we would have seen him inside, look at this going on at the window and just staying inside. Yeah, and just like crossing his arms and sort of smirking. And grabbing a drink. Yeah. 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 But we don't get that. Anyway. What happens next? We can talk about Matt. Oh, yeah, because that was basically it with Peter and... Uh, oh, right, that? right. So there's other there's other Amanda stuff that we'll get to. But okay, that, so we're, but I we're, think that actually... I mean, we can talk about that if you want. Um, but it does tie into a couple other characters. Okay, so we'll, go, we'll go, go with Matt. So the last time we saw Matt, he was at his mom's arguing, you know, giving up his dead brother's... Uh, daughter giving up custody to the mom uh, the grandma his mom um and who has a big house yes i should say not not, not a, a one bedroom, bedroom in, a, in, in an apartment complex complex with with um you know young singles running around right 
Um, and the the kid there, what's it? Chelsea was that? Is that her name? Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah, doesn't want to live with grandma and climbed out the window. And now she's a runaway. That's right. She's she's on the loose right now. She is on the mean streets of LA. Um, and Matt is frantic looking for her. Uh, he's called, he's reached out to all his social worker contacts. He's got flyers. They're going to, you know, making a plan to find this kid. And I think when did it, what, he, it opens with him and his mom in his kitchen, right? At his place. Yeah. At, at his, his place. Yeah. And now this is where we start to get like the mom kind of starts digging, starts nitpicking. Right. So him. something else you had mentioned on the other podcast is that they're not, maybe not retconning, but um, giving us a side of, of Matt's past that uh, we really didn't know existed. Right. We knew he had problems with his dad because yeah. he was gay, but we really didn't see that there were problems with the mom until this episode. She yeah. was the peacemaker until this week. Yeah. And now all of a sudden she's harping on his quote unquote lifestyle. Right. Um, you know, so... And it's clearly a bone of contention. Um, and this is where, like, the little, like, Melrose revisionist history red flags started cropping up. Because, yeah, we didn't see any of this in, you know, the first season or two. Um, mm-hmm. And he was always... But we also didn't see the brother, right? I mean, the dad well, died. No, there was no, no there brother. Was no brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what do we expect, right? Um but anyway, yeah, so his mom is, like, pretty critical about his lifestyle choices. Um, yeah, because and... she was talking about all the gay runaways he dealt with when he was a social worker. Right. And she's like, well, Chelsea is different than gay runaways. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it was kind of like, wait, what? Uh, didn't see that coming. No. And, uh, and so she essentially blames him for Chelsea running away. Yeah. Even though it happened in her home. Um, and Chelsea doesn't want to live with her, but anyway. And and he and then he says, well, I looked at your home as a prison for me my whole life growing up there. Which, okay, I mean, not really the impression I got the whole time they were paying for your school and bailing you out of jail. But okay, fine, Matt. Okay, all right. We'll, we'll, go, we'll take it. I mean, let's, you know, let's believe it. Um, so I guess, and the mom is like angry because she doesn't think that he talked to the cops enough to find Chelsea. I don't know. It was, it was all a little bit sketch, but basically she stormed out. Mom storms out. She's going to go talk to the police. Um, and meanwhile, Matt grabs Sam who knew they were besties so that they could go out and fly her Hollywood. Um, right. Well, and doesn't she also draw uh, pictures of Chelsea that they can show people? Oh, is that why he... I think that's why they brought Sam in because, you know, she's the new Da Vinci. So now she can, like, draw photos of Chelsea and they can be like, have you seen my niece? Something like that. Oh, I didn't even know. I thought it was, I actually thought it was a photo. So that was actually a drawing. Well, it makes sense. I mean, we couldn't have a photo. But I think she was also drawing something. I thought they showed her. So Uh, I could be wrong. Anyway. Diligent Um, listeners, let us know. So she goes out with Matt to flyer. Um... On the boulevard. On the boulevard. (laughs) Like, literally on the boulevard. And I guess, um, and they start having, like, this conversation about, Mm -hmm. you know, and Sam starts talking about how she understands 
where, you know, where Chelsea is and she was there too. And so again, we have this revisionist history because when she started dating Billy, didn't she talk about her magical childhood in Maryland? She did. So this is what I call BS on. And I mentioned it early in the season. Yes, because she very clearly says that she had like, you know, the boring, sheltered, white picket fence, family, mom, dad, all that stuff in their small town in Maryland. And all of a sudden now it's very different because she apparently had a real capital P problem dead. Right. And so, you know, and so she's basically telling Matt that she can relate to whatever Chelsea's going to because she ran away too. I think that's when she spills it to Matt. Like she she was a runaway well, she once. Starts, she starts telling Matt about this and that's when they actually see Chelsea across the boulevard. Right. And they so see her, her story's interrupted. Yeah. So they see her getting into a car with someone and Matt runs across traffic to try and make it to her, but he can't get there in time. So now she's not just missing, she's been spotted and is missing and it's even worse. Right. But luckily, um, luckily, Matt Matt gets gets a call, call. right? Yeah, Matt gets a call from uh, Covenant House. Covenant House, yeah. Yeah, um, that uh, Chelsea is there and she's safe. Um, and I guess they she they wanted Matt to come in, but felt like he needed a buffer, and so he brings well, Sam with him. He brings Sam, but also they've told Matt, but she didn't ask for him, and she didn't want him to come. So right, right. Still, it's still an uphill battle with them, right, right. With so that's why you know, and that's I think why the woman, the social worker there, said you better bring a buffer because you know she doesn't want to see you. Um, so he brings Sam. Yeah, I mean, his new best friend, Sam. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he get, he goes to the shelter, and she's not happy to see him, of course. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. and so she and Matt kind of get into it a bit, right? Chelsea was ripping down the flyers. She didn't want to be found. Um, and then she kind of turns her back to him, and that's when Sam steps in. And she starts talking to Chelsea about how she was in the same, she was in her mm-hmm. shoes. You know, she was a, you know, she, she had, she ran away from home too. And some not very nice things happened to her while she was on the street. And, you know, and she basically says like she had a, a mom who was beaten up and a dad who was no good or something. You know, so it was, um, it was a very unexpected turn for our Samantha. Yeah, it's it's new information for a not brand new character. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that Chelsea had said was all she wanted was $100 to get to Florida, which I'm not sure how she was getting to Florida, but $100 in 1997 wasn't going to go far. Greyhound, baby. I guess. Yeah. Greyhound is cheap as hell. Um, and so basically, uh, Sam saves the day. And yeah, Chelsea and all is- of a sudden, Chelsea drops her, like, the, it's down the walls. Yeah, but she doesn't want to go to Grandma. She wants to stay with Matt. Right. And so... Which is fine for Matt. They actually have a nice bonding moment talking about the the brand new dead father slash brother. Right. Um, but it doesn't last long because, like the Wicked Witch, Matt's mom re-enters the picture. Right. And now she's trying to forcibly take Chelsea. Like, she's just like, okay, you're coming with me. And Matt was going to give her up because there was, like, this moment right before the mom arrived where Matt was like, you know, my lifestyle is not 
conducive to having a kid or having a family. He's kind of almost parroting his mother. Kind of. He was saying, like, the idea of custody scares him. But but when he's talking about his lifestyle, it's kind of the fact that, like, you know, he doesn't have, like, a really rooted sort of life. You know, he's always drowned himself in work and he's made some bad decisions. Which is different than when the mom comes in and says that his whole lifestyle is anti-family. Because Matt wasn't like, well, I'm gay and therefore I can't be a dad. And that's what mom is telling her son. Right. Um, So basically, Chelsea starts to argue she doesn't want to go with the grandmother. The grandmother's like, you have no choice. And then Matt's like, actually, she can stay here. Right. And so now it looks like Matt is going to be a parent of a teenager. Yeah, and not only that, but he kicks his mom out. Yes, because he says he He basically... says he, like, takes a stand and says, as long as you think this, like, you get out, take you and your hate out. Yeah, you um, and your homophobia and get out of my apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Why, why do I have a feeling that this is going to be good for Matt? Or am I wrong? Um, I think it, it could be, but I think it ends up not being great. Oh, because I kind of liked the team that was sort of, building between him and his niece i was i was like oh i'm kind of yeah i do too once now we've sort of gotten past the like chelsea being a brat thing and she's i think can be like kind of a fun ally but um but i think the storyline doesn't really follow through on that oh well we tried we tried tried. um but there's more with sam because towards the very end she and billy are coming back to the, the complex from a date uh, and lo and behold, coming out from lurking in the shadows is the father that she was talking about being so horrible and abusive. This is what makes me crazy about Melrose Place. Because, oh, how convenient here he shows up. Like, couldn't they have waited? They, you, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you mean like gradually, like, yeah. like scribble some breadcrumbs and yeah. then fall like, back to it? Yeah. But you know, they're always, they always, it's like Monday morning waking up and going, oh shit, I forgot to do the project. <laughs> so, I mean, that just, I got a groan, that, that got a groan out of me that moment. I was like, yeah, no. Yeah, because often what will happen is like, they make a passing reference to this in an episode. And then maybe two episodes later, you see on the, previously on this show, and they show that again, you go like, okay. They're teeing this up for something, and you sort of know to expect it, but it's been a little gradual. This is like, hey, by the way, you don't know this, but I had an abusive dad 15 minutes later. Oh, hi. Oh, my God. Dad is here. (laughs) Oh, look. The abusive dad is here. Yeah. It was so, like, they just, I don't know. I don't know why they decided to give Sam some drama, I guess, because if she didn't have some sort of dramatic background, they couldn't do anything with the character. That's kind of what I'm feeling. Because they were running out of shit for her. They really, I mean, she didn't have anything other than she can draw and she and Sid don't like each other. And that's yeah. basically been it. Yeah, and, and even like Sid as her foil just wasn't good. No, because it didn't really amount to much. Yeah. Um, let me say this. Uh, the addition of her father to the cast, no good will come from it. I kind of sense that. Um, yeah. It, yes. He ends up being one of my least favorite characters. I kind of sense that. So I'm hoping that they don't give this a lot of time, but I have a feeling I'm going to be wrong. 
Mm, we'll see. Because there's just so much more interesting stuff going on. Okay, like, let's dig into Allison and Jake. Sure, dig away. Um, you know, uh, Allison is still on bed rest and not going to work. But when Allison calls in to D&D to talk to Amanda about, <laughs> I guess they're pitching a very big client. Cool and, facts. And Amanda is, you know, this was, I guess, a project that Allison was point on. I guess it was her client. Yeah. And Amanda actually doesn't. For like this, I thought was a little out of character, but I was willing to forgive it. Um, Amanda doesn't really feel confident pitching it because it was Allison's baby, but she's going to go in there and do it. And um, and so Allison is, suggests that maybe they postpone the meeting. And Amanda's like, when for like after the baby comes. So it's just clear that they need to do this meeting and they need to do it without Allison. And it is also clear that Allison is not at all happy about that. So, right. um, for, for multiple reasons, really, because one is she, she still wants to have this account, um, and she still wants to look good at work, but she is worried about their money yeah. situation. Which I mean, again, another one of those things that came out of left field, like, yeah, well, it's sort of come up a little bit before, but each time Jake has been like, no, we're good. We're fine. You don't have to worry about it, which I take at face value and think they're fine there. Right. Well, I mean, and it's also come up as this sort of like more generic babies are expensive. Yeah, it's like because because I'm I, we need more money for the baby. Yeah. Right. Like Where Jake not... is like, I'm ready to buy a house in the burbs and we're good on money. So don't worry. Yeah. Like, like I was. So that's sort of where it was like a little like, oh, OK. But yeah, there was never anything. There were never a pile of bills. No. You know, there was never Jake saying, maybe I'll get a second job. There was. Right. You know, yeah. Like, Never, never is Jake being like, oh, I'm going to go back to that bounty hunter and see what I can do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or, I don't know, maybe you can start a transcription service out of the house. Like, I, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Th there was none of that, right? It was just always, babies are expensive, we'll be fine. But now there's something there. But even with this, you know, Allison says something to Jake, I think about, you know, right after he, he she hangs up with Amanda um, and she's sort of mopey that she can't be at this meeting and it was going to be a big one and Jake was like well the baby the baby and she's like yeah but we need the money and he's like no we're good right but the next time we see her uh, she has gotten all dolled up in her business attire and she is at the office yep she comes in thinking okay I'm going to do this I'm going to help with the pitch it's not a big deal and it's just an in and out meeting right and, and then you she know, sees Billy, and he's like, wrong again, Allison. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, because after the pitch meeting, we're going to have lunch. And then after lunch, we're going to talk about things. And then after we talk about things, we're going to have drinks. So it was, like, basically an all-day affair. Yeah. So I have I have two questions here. Um, and one I'll, I'll circle back to when we get to it. But the other thing is, so Amanda talks to Allison, and she's like, uh, she, she does confirm that Allison has gotten the fax machine because she's like, your files are a mess. I need to fax them to you. I don't understand if it's important to go over all this stuff. Why can't Amanda come and sit in Allison's apartment when she gets home that night? Like they, yeah. Amanda is like, you're not here in the office and we have in the coming days 
this important pitch meeting. I need to talk to you on the phone and fax these phone. Like, no, walk into her apartment and sit with her overnight if you need to. But it's not you, like they live it's on It's not like you have zero town. options. Yeah. <laughs> but then what would be the fun of that, right? It's then then we wouldn't have we wouldn't have Allison showing up in her business suit while she's supposed to be on bed rest. We would we would not. So so now Billy has said this is an all-day affair. Um sorry, Allison. This choice seems ill-advised. Um, and she tells Billy, please don't tell, don't tell Jake, we need the money. Um, which is really the only instance that we like know for sure that this really seems to be why she's doing it, why she is so concerned about like right. not losing the right. client. Um, and then she comes home and Jake is there. I don't know why he's there instead of at work, but he's pissed and he's like, spare me your act of, oh, I thought you'd be home later. He's you know, he's mad because she's not taking care of herself. And she goes, no, I feel stronger than ever. I'm fine. And she goes, I promise I'll stay in bed for the rest of the week. And he's pissed and goes, fine, stay in bed. Um, well, I guess the only thing that's left with the Allison portion here is at the very end of the episode, Jake's at Shooters and she's getting ready to call it a night. And as she goes to shut off the light, she experiences like serious pain and calls Jake to tell him that something is really, really wrong as she's like doubled over in terrible pain. Yeah. So, oh, Allison. Uh, oh, Allison. Oh, Allison. So I guess we can move on to Michael, Megan, Kimberly. Well, there's some Amanda stuff left. So do oh, we, we should go back that? to Amanda. Okay. Yep. We will go to okay. Amanda. Um, so while Amanda is worrying about this this upcoming Colfax pitch, and by worrying, just scolding Allison and letting her figure it out, um, she has Craig accompany her to buy a new car, a Jag, um, that she o ordered over the internet and makes a big deal of saying, which I think is dumb, but okay. Oh, uh, but at the time it would have been novel. Novel, but... but at the time it would have... And I don't think... I, I think at the time experience it at the time I would have been like oh okay because that was a thing like you would order weird things over the internet and be like I ordered it over the internet but I mean you know not a fax machine a car I mean I, I mean I guess I mean, I mean I think two things I would not buy sight unseen over the internet are a car and a house and I'm pretty sure my aunt has done both so that's well, then there you go. So you know right people who do that. Well, yeah, and the other difference else. too is that it was clearly a brand new car uh, coming out of a showroom, so it's not like she was buying a lemon. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So meanwhile, she she tells Craig that um, she's going to be driving up the coast the following night, um, and he is invited to accompany her. So, okay, looks like maybe she does want to move things forward with Craig. My other question that I mentioned before is this. That following night that she's talking about when they go up the coast is actually the same night of the Colfax pitch when there's supposed to be drinks with the client afterward. So is Amanda just not present for any of this now that Allison has re-entered? It's the time warp. You would think that Amanda is. I just don't think they did the math. I'm a math doer. Well, I think that maybe also she has that, um, that thing that Hermione had. The time twister. <laughs> she got that off the internet too. And she got that on the internet. And so that's how she's doing it. Yeah. 
clearly that's the explanation. I, I'll go with that. And then we catch up to Amanda and Craig. I think the place is called Colony Lodge. Um, and she's, she, you know, looks gorgeous, I have to say. And, yes. and Craig thinks that, okay, things are great. Amanda says that she booked the last honeymoon suite and she sort of like snaps her fingers and uh, some sort of server comes over and brings one key, but there's another key on the tray. Um, and Amanda says, yeah, the honeymoon suite is all for me. And I booked you a separate room. And he's like, I thought I was going to go with you back to the room. And she's like, no, I've realized that all of my problems are related to sex. And I'm taking a vow of celibacy. Amanda chooses her. And it's just going to be her in the room. And I have to tell you at the time, this is actually one of the big things they were um, hyping the episode with was, on this super sexified show, what's a greater twist than Amanda Woodward taking a vow of celibacy? I actually think it's kind of dumb. but I didn't care because I loved every minute of it, and it was, it was perfect. Yeah. yeah, no argument there. She was perfect. She was absolutely perfect. Now, I, I was kind of didn't understand the motivation of why she needed to drive up the coast with Craig, why she needed to make a big show of this, why this needed to be a thing. Like, that wasn't entirely clear. Um, she could have just done that in L.A., um, and it did feel a little bit like she was leading him on. But, you know, ultimately, who cares? It was a joy well, to watch. It's in the anticipation, I guess. If we didn't think all that was coming, then, you know... The surprise wouldn't have the surprise worked. Wouldn't have been there, right? Exactly. So anyway, it was it was an absolute delight, and um, and I was like, oh yay, look at that, go Amanda, go Amanda. Yeah, and go Amanda again because the next yes. time we see her after she has returned back to uh, L.A., she goes over to Kyle's um, to bring over the new set of keys uh, so that he can lock Taylor out for good. Yeah. Um, and. I thought the agreement was Taylor and Kyle were to work on opposite days as part of Taylor going to the lawyer and saying, you're not kicking me out of the restaurant. We're going to work on separate days. Taylor is there. And Taylor walks into the kitchen to see Kyle and Amanda kind of have a vibe right now. Yes, they are vibing. There's a kinder, gentler side that they're showing each other. Um, and they actually, they do like a toast to their newly single lives. Um, and, and, Oh, oh no! Kyle, Kyle, Kyle wants to have Kyle, Kyle wants to yeah. wants to have a drink with her, and Amanda's like, "Nah, I gotta go home." Yeah, as uh, Tara like overhears this as she's walking in, and, and then Amanda declines. She goes, "No, I have to go home." And on her way out, Amanda passes Taylor, and she goes, <laughs> "Put on some weight, Taylor." It's great. <laughs> Which was like so Just delightful. Just a great throwaway, like who's your daddy? Yeah. yeah, it was. It was kind of funny. It was really good. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know, then there's, like, this little bit between Taylor and Kyle where he's, like, chopping lettuce and they're fighting. But who Yeah, so he's just, like, throwing some hate her direction. Yeah, so, yeah. But, you yeah. know, I was kind of like, eh. Because the moment between Kyle and Amanda was delicious. And I am kind of rooting for that pairing. Um, then I think you'll kind of enjoy Bella's place for a while. Okay, good, because I was like, okay, this could be some just desserts here for both Peter and Taylor, um, for Kyle and Amanda to get together. Spoken like someone in the Melrose writing room in 1997, perhaps. Oh, see, I should have, they should, I should have worked there. 
You didn't ask. Hey, before we talk about Michael, Megan, and Kimberly, mm -hmm. um, there's one other thing that is very insignificant and I still wanted to mention, which okay. is at the very end of the cold open, you know, they play that bad song. It's always a different song. They always show like different B-roll of people in LA. The it very... was new this time though. So it is new. And is that what you wanted to last... talk about? Because I forgot to mention that. I wanted to mention that too. Well, yes, I probably wasn't going to mention it having realized that it was new, but the one that caught our eye is like the very last image before they move into the opening scene post-credits. Um, and it's a woman picking a wedgie <laughs> at her dress. I noticed that too. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And I don't, I don't think it was, I think it was like a school girl. It looked like she was wearing a school uniform. And I think it was like, Oh, was it, was it someone that young? I didn't yeah. realize that. And they, and it was like, it was like somebody picking a wedgie. And I was like, why, why did they use that? <laughs> Yeah, why indeed? I can't, I can't believe it. It shows how little they paid attention to anything they did. Uh, I mean, I don't know. They, I, you know, I, this is one of those things, though, where you're like, they really didn't pay attention to that because, honestly, it seemed like it was on purpose. It does seem like it is probably something they looked at and said, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, but, to... like, not only because of what it is, and but also the fact that it's, like, it was, like, the wrap-up image. Right. You know? Right. And it, it, that's it the, the one totally they tag it with. Yeah, it was totally intentional. There's no way they missed that. I no know, way. I really, really overrated them. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Michael, Megan, Kimberly. This, so, so Kimberly, this is a Michael took Megan back last week, which means all of Kimberly's latest conspiring was kind of all for naught. But we hadn't seen Kimberly realize that yet. Right. You were going to say something. Yeah, this is starting to feel like we're beating a dead horse. I mean, and there's oh, literal. Oh, it's so dead. It's so dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, Kimberly basically confronts Michael in the hospital parking lot. Um, yeah. About what he's going to do, which sort of feels a little bit redundant because I thought that they had already cleared it up. And so what he's going to do is he's going to stay with his wife and that's what he tells her. And then Kimberly starts sort of like grabbing at her head and Michael is like, Oh, I'm not falling for that shit again. And walks yeah. away as she collapses onto the pavement. Right. In the hospital parking lot. In the hospital parking lot. And right. um, he, I think he calls it a death act. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. What a yeah. Yeah. the dead act. Yeah. yeah. And so somebody, I guess, rescues her and she ends up. Did she get admitted? She does. Yes, she does. Yes. Yeah. So before we see her in the hospital, we have a scene of Megan in bed with Michael. I think they're like doing a new stay honeymoon, whatever that would be called. They're in a hotel. Yeah. Um, well, they, nobody has. A well, I guess they don't have a place to live, right? Yeah. Nobody has a home. That's right. They're homeless. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And and Megan has a little bit of a crisis because she doesn't know what to like. She wants to to be something to for her life to have meaning and purpose, but she doesn't know what that is because she's never done anything but be a prostitute. Right. And so Michael is kind of being a little supportive. Yeah. And kind well, of and it, and it, like. Yeah, and it kind of uh, benefits both of them. Right. Because he's like, well, look, we're going to go places. We're going to go places together because I'm going to be the new chief of staff. 
because he's still got his eye on that prize. Right. Um, so before we see their next step, we do go back to the hospital where Dr. Stein, I don't remember his name right now, um, is there again telling Kimberly that her tumor is in remission, but the area around it was weakened. So what she actually had in the parking lot with Michael was a brain aneurysm. I thought that um, killed you. It can It doesn't have one of those have straight up killed you. You could have. Okay. Usually it often does. Um, sometimes it can, sometimes it doesn't. They can operate to prevent more serious aneurysms from happening that likely will kill you. Gotcha. Um, but, but yeah, she probably did it. Um, and he says that surgery actually is possible for this, but one of the potential consequences is partial paralysis. Um, and she's like, uh, leave me alone. And it doesn't matter. There isn't even any relative I want to, to know about my condition. Yeah. So Kimberly basically now turns into an old Italian widow. <laughs> yeah. Megan, meanwhile, has turned into the new receptionist. Right. For Peter and Michael. So that is going to be her purpose is to be the receptionist. And then there's like this sort of like great sort of scene between Peter and Michael, where Peter is like, you know, why do you, why are your wives always our receptionist? I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you know, your next wife needs to be able to take, you know, type or something like that. Like, it was really, it, it was really kind of funny. But they're kind of harping on each other once again, because I guess Peter is doing all admin stuff at his job in the hospital while Michael is keeping the practice afloat. Um, Although I would like, if you're chief of staff at a hospital, don't you give up your private private practice? That's a good question. I want to say yes. I don't know. Right, I don't if know either. Knows, let us know. I'm not. But sure I guess it doesn't matter. I mean, no. ultimately, it doesn't matter because this is Melrose Place, and they do what they want to do anyway. But I just thought that that was kind of curious. But anyway, apparently, chief of staffs only work forty hours a week. Can't I be one? I know. So, like, when Michael was like, well, you do 40 hours a week at the hospital, I'm stuck here picking up your slack. And I'm like, but it's 40 hours. Like, he could at least put in 10. You can come back, yeah. Like, that's what, like, people who have regular jobs end up doing. Yep. But anyway. At least. But anyway. Um, I guess Peter's got his hands full with Taylor right now. Um, so... Peter grudgingly accepts that Megan is now the receptionist. Okay, so where are we now? Well, that's when the doctor, Dr. Stein, I think, comes to oh. the office. Right. He sees Michael. It's sort of an odd scene because he goes into Michael's office and we don't hear what he tells him. So we have to assume it's just what we already know, that Kimberly isn't faking it, that she does have an aneurysm, that sort of thing. He leaves and Michael just repeats it to Megan, says... This is what Dr. Stein said, and I told him I would go see Kimberly, but I just told him what he wanted to hear. I don't have any plans to see Kimberly. And despite everything that Kimberly has done to Megan, Megan is actually the more sympathetic of the two. Yeah. Yeah. She still is, like, upset that Peter is not going to go help. Uh, Peter, Michael, is not going to go to Kimberly's aid. So what does she do? She decides she's going to go to Kimberly's aid. She's going back into the belly of the beast. She visits Kimberly at the beach house. Good Lord. And I guess um, she sort of follows the trail of pill bottles um, to find Kimberly, like, hiding under the covers. Yeah. <laughs> like, they couldn't just have 
Kimberly is laying sick in bed. They actually put the covers over her head. And so Megan, of, of course, at first thinks that she's dead. Um, but she's not dead. She's still alive. But it's like she's barely holding on by a thread. But, like, suffering. Yeah. Can yeah. barely see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so instead of calling 911, Megan goes back to um, the medical office and calls the visiting nurse, the visiting yeah. nurse association, and arranges to have a nurse uh, stay with Kimberly 24-7 and send the bill to Burns Mancini. That's right. Because that's what husbands are for. Um, so then what happens? So then I think we have another scene at Burns Mancini and Megan is for whatever reason absent and the phone keeps ringing. So Michael picks it up and it's the nurse calling for Megan and she says that Kimberly isn't doing well. I don't know where Megan is. If she's not at the office and she isn't at the beach house yet, where is she? Is she on her way to the beach house, not having learned yet that Kimberly is not doing well? It's, she might be in the loo. It's possible. She might be in but the loo. But she, she does, does seem to be there by the time Michael does get to the beach house. Yes, because Michael now learns that Megan hired this nurse. Kimberly's not doing well. He goes to the beach house to, I guess, see what's going on. Yeah, and this is now he's actually confronted that she, with the fact that she's not faking. Right. And, um, yeah, and then ultimately the nurse is like, well, we need to call next of kin. And so Michael calls Kimberly's mom. And it was really kind of great because he was like, hi, yeah, this is Michael Mancini. And then he's like, yeah, I know, I know you don't want to hear from me. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that was a nice touch. And I was glad that they included that. Yeah, I, I was too. I thought that was fun. Yeah. Um, and that's the episode. Yeah, and he so tells her she needs to get on the next he plane He says she out. really needs to come here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ne- ne- so I guess next next episode we'll be meeting Kimberly's mom, or is this one of the things that they're just going to gloss right over? No, she's there again. We see okay. her again, Marion Shaw. Okay. So I'm like kind of a little bit tired of this, you know, is she, is she going to die or is she not going to die? The Kimberly saga. So I'm kind of hoping that we finally bring this all to an end. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's kind of getting close to that point. I just, I hate the story. Um, I think it's completely dramatically inert and has been almost from the beginning and I just hate also the fact how sidelined it is. Yeah. You have Michael and Kimberly, and they haven't interacted with Sydney once. There was never any other interaction with Jane or Matt or anyone who is even, like, tangentially connected. Amanda, none of them. Allison, who was blinded by Kimberly. Like, none of them. Play, like, this could be on a completely different show. Right. And, um, they could, and they could kind of rectify this if they just moved Michael... And Megan into Melrose Place. I think sure. that would help. They could have. But I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they do. Because I guess they want to have, like, one grown-up who doesn't live on the, you know, live in the apartment building. But again, like, I kind of feel like that's where they should be because otherwise they're just too separated. Yeah. And they yeah. can't have they're antics together. Yeah, like, they can't have antics right. together. Right. 
again, there was the collision of all the storyline threads that that really kept fueling the show and made it so unique. And right now they're they're not really colliding. Yeah. But anyway, I'm really excited about Amanda and Kyle. Um, I'm really stoked to kind of keep watching next week to see where that's going. And now to see where it's going with Sid as well. Um, less excited for the Sam storyline. Um, I feel like your instincts are spot on. <laughs> okay, great. Um, and then also very curious to see how Matt's doing with, uh, you know, his new teen child. Yeah. So, but all in all, I'm pretty happy with this season. It is not season four. And, um, you know, especially now that we're kind of, uh, some of those storylines like Kyle, not Kyle, um, well, with, with Kyle and Amanda and uh, Peter and what's her name, Lisa Renna, like that was so drawn out. You know, yeah. that I mean, if that had exploded about eight episodes earlier, it would have been different. Yeah. But the, like good, that... the good news is, is that this season really picked itself up. Um, and is is doing a good job moving towards the end. Season four was just a constant decline. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm like looking forward as we move into. I mean, we're kind of going into the home stretch here, right? We've got yeah, we've got like six or seven episodes left. Uh, you know, including the two part finale, yeah, the two hour finale, I should say. Yeah, yeah. so we're get we're definitely like in the home stretch for, for good in the dark of winter. It's a bright light. It is a bright light. So, yay us. Yay us. I love that. Yay us. Yay us. All right, guys. We hope by the time you listen to this, the world has not tilted completely off its axis. But that's like a 50-50 shot. Yeah, and if something else big happens before we get this posted and you guys are like, oh, my God. What are they doing? How are they acting like the world is fine? It's because right now we think that, you know, we're only in the middle of a coup. What else could possibly go wrong? That's right. I mean, we may be insensitive fucks, but we're not that insensitive. Yeah, no. We're, we're only partially insensitive. <laughs> All right, I'm but going to If you guys about... are listening along, um, yeah, let us know how you're liking the stories. And meantime, uh, it's bedtime for Karen. I'm going to bed. So away we go. And Karen, um, here's to hopefully a calm-ish rest of the week for us and the world at large. Uh, here's to that. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next week back on the block. Bye.